0: You're listening to a sermon preached at Meridian Church. For more information about Meridian Church, visit meridianchurch.com. It is our hope that this sermon is used by the Holy Spirit to minister to you the grace and peace found in Jesus Christ to the glory of God the Father. And now, here's your sermon audio. You know what you're probably thinking. He's got two water bottles and two Bibles. Exactly how long does he plan on preaching? Uh... But, uh, no, I do thank y'all for y'all's prayer. I was sick earlier, as many of you uh, know, earlier in the week, and uh, I do appreciate it. I am feeling a lot better. I do have a little bit of a uh, cough, so uh, you may have to bear with me some on that. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn to Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1. We will be reading verses 26 through 55, and our focus will be on verses 46 through 55. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is in the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, to a town in Judah, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from, our, from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he, for he who is mighty and done great things for me, and holy is his name. Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, Father, first of all, we thank you uh, for this chance to come together, Father, and to uh, hear your word, Father, Lord, and Lord, to encourage each other, to lift each other up, Father, Lord, and to praise and glorify you. And we we also recognize, Father, the, the significance of this day that we celebrate and uh, Father, that, as we celebrate your birth, and Lord, we thank you for sending your Son to us. For without whom, Father, we would have no hope. We again thank you for this time, Father. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Few biblical figures can stir, mark, that's, can stir talk. Among Christendom than Mary, and it has nothing to do with Mary. It has it is how she is perceived by people. She is just an innocent bystander in this regard, as I have said before from this pulpit, and others have said it as well. When we see something done to the extreme, that something may be unbiblical our reaction is to try to go in the complete opposite direction to where our view may be just as unbiblical as well, and we've accomplished nothing. We see that when we perceive perceive someone is idolizing or worshiping Mary, and we want to go in the opposite direction, and maybe want to make less of her than who she is. She was highly favored by God, which was directly taken from Scripture to she was chosen for this event that would change world history. She was the chosen one to deliver the chosen one. And because of that we should see her as blessed. We actually know little about mary other than the some brief glimpses, uh, brief glimpses into her life and yet she is one of the most well known people in the bible even among non believers who have never cracked open a bible we know a lot about abraham we know a lot about isaac we know a lot about jacob we know a lot about david we know a lot about the old testament and joseph we know a lot about Solomon, just to name a handful, but Barry, by comparison, we just don't know that much. We see her life of obviously shortly before the birth of Christ. We see a brief scene when Jesus was 12, and we see her come and go a few times during Jesus' ministry. During, uh, during his, uh, 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 along with his death and his resurrection, we, we last see Mary in Acts meeting with the disciples in her church, church service after the ascension of the Lord. We know nothing of her life before this announcement by the angel. She was more than likely a teenager and in her mid-teens at that. She was a peasant girl. She was not from wealth or privilege. However, by looking at this passage, we look at her prayer. We can see the maturity in her words for such a young woman. She rattles off Old Testament after Old Testament promise that is being fulfilled in the birth of Jesus. If you have a cross-referenced Bible, you probably have at least one uh, cross-reference in every verse of this song. And this is a song of Mary, or if you are high church or hoity-toity, you might call it the Magnificent. Magnificent is Latin for magnify. And it's important to realize that she is magnifying God and not herself. At no point does she proclaim any sinlessness or any worthiness to be the one Chosen for this great task. The word servant she uses in verse 48 is not a hired hand, it is the word for a slave. She considered herself a slave of God. She was a sinner in need of a Savior just like every one of us. In her song, she puts the, the focus totally on God. So let's do that as well as we look more in depth. Some things, and are you will notice that, is that she speaks in the past tense of the promises have yet to be totally fulfilled. She does this much like the Old Testament prophets did who talked in the who spoke in the past tense? That meant that since God had promised it, it was as good as done, to the point that it had already been fulfilled. Brothers and sisters, we can look at the promises of God the same way. They are as good as done. If, brought, if God broke the least of His promises, He would cease to be God and the universe would collapse upon itself. This is why we can cry out with the Apostle John in Revelation when Christ says He will return. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. This is why we can say this morning that God is magnified. God is mighty. And God is merciful. To magnify means to praise and to honor God. In this particular verse, it means to declare the greatness of. God doesn't need human merit or performance to be magnified. He doesn't need fanfare. This is why He was born in a manger and not in a royal household. Christ broke the mold of high status as a symbol of righteousness to humility being the symbol of righteousness. Even Jesus' own disciples were shocked by this revelation. After Jesus' confrontation with the rich young ruler, we see this in Mark chapter 10. And many of you probably are familiar with the story of the rich young ruler. The rich young ruler comes and bows before Jesus and asks him, you know, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus tells him. He lifts off several commandments. And the young man says, well, I do all of those things. And But uh, then Jesus says, well... Go, then go and sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. And he left disheartened because he had great possessions and he did not wish to part with them. And here in Mark 10, starting in verse 23, And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were amazed at, by his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter in the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible But many who are first will be last, and the last first. There was nothing necessarily wrong with being rich. It was a matter of the heart. Just because you may be rich doesn't mean it's because you're living right. Just because you have a mega church doesn't mean you're doing church right there's the worldly view of righteousness and then there's the godly view of righteousness. The world view is evident when every celebrity... <coughs> excuse me. Whenever celebrity dies, they get shoehorned into heaven because of the charitable work they did or Even though they openly mocked God, they mocked His word, and they mocked His people. Though, to be fair, too many pastors shoehorn people into heaven at their funeral. It is not our work that makes us righteous, it is the work of Christ. And God begins that work in us when, with humility and by His grace, We recognize that. As John the Baptist said, He must increase, but I must decrease. Much like you cannot serve God and mammon, neither can you magnify God and yourself at the same time. James 4.10 tells us, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. When we exalt ourselves, that is all we are doing, and it is hollow. The Puritan Thomas Brooks Brooks wrote, God is on high, and yet the higher a man lifts himself up, the further he is from God. And the lower a man humbles himself, the nearer he is to God. Of all souls, God delights most to dwell with the humble, for they do most prize and best improve His precious presence. But Mary in verse 46 is declaring her soul is, um, is, mag- is, is, is her spirit magnifies the Lord and her spirit rejoices in her Saviour. This is taken directly from Psalm 35, 9, which says, Then my soul will rejoice in Yahweh, exulting in His salvation. She recognizes her own need of a Savior, savior, and she knew that the true God was her Savior. She uses language as not of one who is deserving of salvation, but rather one whose only hope is in God's grace. Elizabeth rightly shouts praise when Mary comes to visit her. Mary shouts, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And Mary, in response, rightfully, softly speaks in humility. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit Rejoices in God, my Savior. Mary needed a Savior. <clears throat> we need a Savior. To quote John Piper, we need a Savior. Christmas is an indictment before it is a delight. To be the mother of Jesus was an incredible honor. No other woman in all history will bear that honor. And yet Mary recognized that God (coughs) chose her not based on her merit, (coughs) but based on God's grace. He blessed Mary and Mary praised Him. Next we move on to where we see that she says, in verse 49 for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name God is mighty and once again it is seen in instances where conventional wisdom does not prevail he has done great things for a peasant girl Yet He has put down the mighty from their thrones. In verse 52, uh, she says, He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has shown strength with His arm. In verse 51, He has exalted the lowly. In verse 52, He has filled the hungry and sent, sent away the rich empty. In verse 53, It may, at this point, we realize it sounds a lot like Hannah's prayer that was read earlier during the call to worship. Here are some selections from that. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. Yahweh kills and brings to life. He brings down the sheol and raises up Yahweh makes poor and makes rich. He brings, down, he brings low and He exalts. God alone possesses the right and the authority to bring down the mighty warriors in judgment. And He exalts, exalts the weak to a lofty position of authority. Through Christ... God will dethrone, his, uh, dethrone all enemies. Their might and rage will be unavailing, in which a new kingdom will be established. Where the, 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 the mighty, we're the, those who are not mighty will be exalted. But the humble and the hungry and the suffering will be supplied with everything they need. God will help Israel, his servant. Psalm one hundred seven nine says, "For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things." He tells us in thirty four ten, Psalm thirty four ten, the young lion suffers want and hunger, but those who seek Yahweh lack no good thing. The Messiah will cast down the mighty. He will cast down the proud. He will cast down the self righteous. They will be cast down because they are enemies of Christ. But the poor, the hungry, those who are spiritually lowly and humble, it is they who will place all their trust in God and Christ. God uses the weak to show himself strong. You know, I remember back in elementary school, you know, you play pickup football and you pick teams, and the captains, they always choose the players who thought. You know, that would give, give them the best chance to win. The fast, the strong, the athletic. Those are the guys who were picked first. Meanwhile, the small, weak, the small weakling was picked last. God chooses the small weakling first. So there is no doubt where the glory belongs. God makes the impossible possible. His chosen instruments to take forth His message would be those of whom the world thought little of like they would of Mary. She recognized the mighty arm of God mentioned in verse 51 would belong to her son. The small small ragtag group chosen to carry forth His work after... (coughs) <clears throat> his ascension was led by a hot-headed fisherman and included even more fishermen, a zealot and a tax collector. After 30 years after Mary's song, Christ would nearly say the exact same things His mother did on, uh, 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 that his mother did in his sermon <coughs> on the mount. or the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. We would love for it to stop right there. We think, well, if we can do these things, I will have peace in my life. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those when you, when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. There will be times where we will face persecution and calamities <coughs> because we follow Christ. And we might not have even done anything wrong. It may come from simply being obedient to the Word of God. When I was sick earlier this week, I finished a biography on Ann Judson and what her and her husband had to endure as missionaries in Burma caused me not to have a pity party For myself. And it seemed like either one of them were sick the entire time they were in Burma. They got caught up in a war that didn't (coughs) even involve the United States, but they didn't stop the government from arresting him and throwing him in prison with the worst conditions (coughs) imaginable. And would follow uh, Adoniram around from prison to prison with baby in tow in order to provide food <coughs> for her husband because the prison did not provide food. It was up to family members to feed their own uh, prisoners. Meanwhile, she continued to be ill herself. Those they thought would be able to protect them had suddenly lost their influence in the government. (coughs) They had done nothing wrong and they had been falsely accused of being spies for the British government. Even though, again, they were Americans. Those images are not easy to, to think about. We want to think about the baby in the manger, the choir of angels, the shepherds coming to visit. Jesus was coming to earth to bear the wrath of God for our sins so we could become righteous through the shedding of His blood. This babe to be born in a manger <coughs> was destined to have a violent Death a little more than 30 years later, not for his sins, but for ours. But yet, God is merciful. Yet, that was the plan all along, because God is merciful. We did nothing to deserve it. In fact, we deserve the worst. Mary recognizes that what He has done for the nation in the final two verses, He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy. And He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. (coughs) She remembers the covenant promises of God And is thankful for it. She recognizes that despite generation after generation of Israel's faltering, God is keeping His promise to the nation. Israel had a history of disobedience and apostasy, but God remained faithful to His covenant. Mary goes all the way back to the promise of God to Abraham and his descendants. A land for, with a land for their possession. God promised that the one who would save them would come to Israel and through Israel. And God would bless the other nations on earth because of them. God was to remain faithful to His promise. She acknowledges that through the, the Son that she would have, that all the blessing God had promised to Abraham and his descendants would be fulfilled. <clears throat> but God's mercy is not limited to a nation. We enjoy God's mercies every day. By God's mercy, we take our next breath. Lamentations 3.22-23 and 23 says, The steadfast love of Yahweh never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Psalm 136 is devoted (coughs) to God's mercy. Depending on your translation, it may say something different. ESV and a couple others use, use the word, word steadfast love. Some others like the New American Standard use the word loving kindness. The Holman Christian Standard Bible just uses the word <coughs> love. <coughs> it is a remarkable how the different words basically mean the same thing, but to give you more of the rich, richness of the passage, the King James and the New King James use mercy. So, I would like to read Psalm 136 out of the New King James now. <coughs> oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his mercy endures forever. To him who by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endures forever. To him who laid out the earth above the waters, for his earth, for his mercy endures forever. To him who made great lights, for his mercy endures forever. The sun to rule by day, for his mercy endures forever. The moon and the stars rule by night, for his mercy endures forever. To him who struck Egypt in their firstborn, for his mercy endures forever. And brought out Israel from among them, for his mercy endures forever. With a strong hand and with an outstretched arm, for his mercy endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his mercy endures forever. And made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his mercy endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea, for his mercy endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his mercy endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, for his mercy endures forever. And slew famous kings, for his mercy endures <coughs> forever. Forever. Shion, king of the Amorites, for his mercy endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, for his mercy endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage, for his mercy endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant, for his mercy endures forever. Who remembered us in our lowly state, for his mercy endures forever. And rescued us from our enemies for His mercy endures forever. Who gives food to all flesh, for His mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks for the God of heaven, for His mercy endures forever. God's mercy was magnified one night in Bethlehem more than 2,000 years ago when he sent his son to do something you could not save you from himself. One final thought on Mary's song. Notice she never talks about what lies ahead for her. This is all praise and all humility. As an unwed mother, she will be facing scorn. Maybe even shunned by our own family who aren't as understanding as Elizabeth of who this child is. She has the task of head ahead of being an imperfect parent to the perfect child. What an awesome and frightening situation to be in. Yet she does not pray for herself, but simply thanks God for fulfilling his promises. Allowing her to, to be a part of it. She glorifies God in her most distressing and wonderful time. Let us do the same. Let us praise and glorify God, regardless of our current state of affairs, because He is worthy. Amen. Oh, friend, O oh sinner, by the grace of God, turn to the friend of sinners. Today we celebrate a day that changed the history of the world. But let's not get caught up too much in that scene of a babe in a manger without realizing that Jesus came to die so that we might live. He bled and died for our sins. Enduring the wrath of God on our behalf. He rose again that we may have eternal life. You know, I, earlier I mentioned Christ, say, uh, Christ saying He is coming back. <coughs> this time though, it will not be as a helpless babe who needs to be whisked away to Egypt for safety. But He will return As the King of kings and Lord of lords, He will be coming as a warrior king with His eyes blazing, wearing crowns and having a sword. He will come to conquer and to judge by the grace of God this morning. Believe, repent, and follow Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You. Father, for Your Son. Lord, it's just such an overwhelming... uh, Father, Lord, it's hard to describe... Lord, we we cannot repay Father, what you've done for us. We can't really, Father, I don't think we can fathom Lord, your love and the mercy Lord, that you show with us each and every day. Father, Lord, we fail you day after day after day, but yet your mercy endures forever. Lord, we thank you. Lord, and we praise you. And we Father, we pray that we will go forth, Father, and proclaim to others, Lord, your work. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon audio from Meridian Church. Please feel free to share this resource with others. We only ask that you do not alter the content in any way. Again, you can find more resources at meridianchurch.com.